We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 273 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Uh, there's a little bit to get to here uh, on, on all topics, but quite specifically Chicago Bears activity uh, prior to and then following Sunday's result. Um, Matt, first and foremost, how are you amidst the craziness that's been the last couple of days of Chicago? Sports? What? What a like 24 ish hours that was because, you know, yeah. the Roquan news breaks kind of towards the end of the day. So you don't really have a ton of like reaction to it outside of what you see on Twitter. And then you, you start listening to talk radio. Like I had the score a lot. Or I had the score on most of the morning yesterday, just kind of listening to reaction interviews and like thinking that's kind of it. Maybe they're selling. And then towards the end of that day, boom, the bears make a trade for a guy in chase Claypool, who is man, like a, perfect fit for kind of what the bears need and what they're looking for to add to this offense. And it's just, it, I can see the vision and it's nice to be able to see the vision. The vision is like modernizing the Chicago bears, which is something that we haven't seen in quite some time, probably since Jay was throwing the Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. I think that, uh, I think that's a really good way to put it. Modernizing the bears and specifically maybe moving the needle of focus from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball, which is something yeah. I'm not used to as a fan base other than, you know, a moment here or a moment there. Um, let's go chronological. Let's go back to Cowboys bears, uh, 49-29. Weird game flow was great to see them. I don't know. They obviously were playing from behind, but, they scored with pace. They were mm-hmm. moving the football. I liked the play calling. I thought there was a lot of positive on that side of the ball defensively. Uh, I mean, you lose your edge guy the week prior, and you're out there against a formidable Dallas offense. And we just think it. We can't defend the run. We don't defend the run well. Yeah, and like Roquan. Now, obviously, Roquan's gone now. But like we've talked about, we'll how Roquan. Okay. Oh, I was going to get to like the game. We talk about how with him, you know, it's he's either great or invisible. And that was kind of one of those invisible performances. And I think part of that does stem because we can't stop the run of the defensive line just kind of has no dudes on it. And mm-hmm. as you could be the best inside will linebacker run stuffing linebacker in the world. But if you're three technique, you're one, you're five aren't taking up some blockers and they're not making that those offensive linemen's lives difficult it's really, really hard to be a linebacker that's defending the run. Um, And the Bears just couldn't do that. They don't have the dudes up front. And that's, I mean, kind of by design last year. I know they tried to sign Ogan Joby, but he failed the physical and that's fine. Like they just don't really have the dudes. And that's kind of what we knew would happen at some point. And it's just, just a very, very bad matchup for the Bears and the Cowboys took advantage of it. Um, I know this is, this has been evident, but like just, just seeing it again, going to the offensive side here, just seeing the way that fields can, and I don't even want to say like extend a play, but the way he can like bend a corner. I don't know why defenders still haven't realized that. I think because his speed is so effortless, defenders mm-hmm. take really bad angles on him. And he, that's, we're putting him in, we're putting him in positions where he can go that way because the play's designed to roll out. It's not, um, 
it's not a five step and then try and bend the corner. I just, I just like the way that Luke Getze has been approaching Justin Fields the last two weeks. Like this week, he threw it 23, three times. That's an increase in his, on his average number for the season. Mm-hmm. Obviously good looks, didn't throw an interception, ends up with 60 yards rushing on eight carries and probably what would you say? Three of those were designed. Five of them were scrambled. Yeah. Give correct. or take in that. Sounds it's about right. like, He's he's you're putting him in the positions he needs to be to succeed with his current skill set. Yeah, and you can see those like you can see him get more comfortable early on when he's when he is, you know, doing a couple of those design runs when he's using his feet to get himself outside the pocket. It's just more of his comfort zone right now. And is that something that for his entire career is sustainable? Probably not. But with this offensive line in front of him for a way to kind of keep him upright, which is weird to say that we're saying he needs to run the ball to keep himself upright, but for a way to kind of get himself out of the pocket so he's not under pressure all the time to get creative, give himself some time to throw, we're seeing the development. We're seeing his comfort level grow. And once you get more comfortable, we're seeing the results on the field. I mean, he's making throws – Ball to Vila, the ball to, to St. Brown was underthrown, but also that's one you hope a receiver we've seen a million times comes back and fights for and draws a pass interference penalty because that happens most of the time now. And you see him get outside the pocket and drop an absolute dime in the hands of Vila Jones that somehow hits the ground. Like we're starting to see him yeah. make some of these throws down the field that like, you know, with confidence, putting him on a dime. We saw it uh, on the commit throw in the Monday night game. We're starting to see him get more comfortable experimenting with these arm angles to get around defensive end. That's two or defensive ends. That's two weekends in a row now that we've seen him drop the arm and try to find a way to flick one around. So it's, we're which, starting to see, chill, thanks, which, which chill, you in know? fairness, he's not doing it all. all the time. It's, it's, it's not everybody. It Mahomes. It scares me still. Like I, that's like, fair, chill. but it's better than throwing it right into the hands or chest of a defensive end. So we're starting to see him, take those steps and stack those performances together. And you mentioned Luke Getze. Obviously you have to mention Luke Getze. He's done a great job. It's like they took that mini bye week after the Thursday night game to just sit down and kind of overhaul the offense and what they're trying to do and how to put Justin in the best possible spot. And it took a little while to get there, but they're, they're there. It's been, you know, he's stacking performances now. On the surface level for me, it's what 29 points, correct? Uh, yeah, 49-29. Should yeah, have been 30. If two-point conversions could have been 31. Regardless, 29 yeah. points on a, a solid Cowboys defense, like a top, top five, top 10, top 10, probably top five defense when it's all said done at the end of the season. That's that's a great offensive performance. That's what I like mm-hmm. to see. And then we see a further investment into the offense just days later. But again, going chronological here, yeah. the Roquan deal comes down. Your initial thought is what? You see the package, you see the destination. I think there's a couple layers to this one for me. And I'll give you, I know I just asked you a question, but no, for go ahead. Me, um, the, it, it was the immediate indication that they were nowhere near anything this off season. And Ryan Poles had to say, I cannot end up with nothing here. And he went and got what I think would be the maximum for a linebacker in today's NFL. Yeah, I mean, Poles pretty much said as much yesterday that uh, he didn't quite say there was no chance we were getting contract on it. The term he used was like there wasn't really a fit this offseason, which means they weren't close and he wasn't budging. And, you know, you have a head coach in Matt Eberflus who just coached the defensive player in the year in Shaq Leonard a couple of years ago at the same exact position who the Colts paid $100 million. And if Matt Eberflus is the head coach, thought Roquan Smith was that guy, was that dude who could do that, 
and his defense do exactly what he wanted mm-hmm. to. He, they, they probably would have ponied up the money that Roquan wanted and paid him a hundred million. Um, but I mean, on the surface, when you see that big of a name gets traded, it's a little bit of a shock. It's like, Oh man. But like, it was the right move. You weren't going to pay him. So you were going to let him walk for nothing or tag him, which probably doesn't necessarily like, that's just kind of a waste of cap space at that point. And all and it does a waste is of create, a tag in today's NFL yeah, too. Exactly. And it creates another distraction going into the off season because he probably holds out again. And it's just, it's one more headache for a guy that, you know, clearly there was a rift there after the, after the negotiations. And it's why you, you probably shouldn't be negotiating your own contract and both sides apparently didn't like what was said. And there was just separation there. It wasn't going to happen. And you just, for a team like the Bears that is rebuilding around a young quarterback with all this cap space that they're going to spend some of this year, probably not all, definitely not all of, they're still going to want to keep some. You don't want to commit a fifth of that cap space to a non-essential position in a will linebacker. Non-premium position at a will linebacker, a guy who I understand he's, Six one. He's very good. He's a very good football but, player. This is not. I, he's always felt. Roquan's he's team. always felt. He's always felt undersized to be the the guy on the defense. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's weird know, because it's because that we grew up with Brian Urlacher who put his arms out and covered. Yeah. Like C gap to C gap, but I, I just I don't know. He he was like you said. He was a fantastic player. He wanted too much. We turned it into assets and like broader strokes, bigger picture NFL. I find it interesting that. You saw Debo do it. We saw Roquan do it. Who uh, a couple other guys were? Requ- uh, uh, you saw Tyreek do it, and the yep. Chiefs said, "Okay, go ahead." Requesting the trade is a dangerous lever to pull if you're a player. Like mm-hmm. that. That is like you said. In some cases, maybe here with the Bears, is irreparable, and it's like, okay, go put the pads on because we don't have a trade partner for you right now. But things get active. Teams have needs. Here you go. And yeah. um, I, I, my biggest concern. On um, the negative side of that scale is what does it do to a room? Because we're in this weird place of mm-hmm. um, at this juncture, not right now, but at this juncture, we're in this weird place of, all right, we just traded our two dudes on the defense. Um, we're not trading Montgomery is what Paul said. We're kind of getting better, but it's good if we don't win games because Will Anderson might not be there at three. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's so many different things to come out of this. And then I think a very, very deft move for not just the team and the future and the offense, but for the locker room right now is going and getting Chase Claypool. There's yeah. value in that for me too. It's, it's a statement by Ryan Poles to his franchise on multiple levels. One, Justin, you're the guy. We're getting you a receiver. We're overpaying for that receiver too, by the way. Mm-hmm. I believe that I believe that if we threw Baltimore second there, it was much more palatable. The fact that it's our second is an overpay, but that's part of the statement to the team that this is not a tank job. Our first round pick is going to be where it's going to be. And we just used what's likely going to be the, what, 48th pick in the draft? Yeah, something like or, or let's see, 32, 40th pick in the draft, 42nd pick in the draft on Chase Claypool. And I know it's only a year and a half of control, but as you said at the outset, a beautiful match for what Justin Fields does in this offense. I think the biggest beneficiary is obviously Justin. Obviously, Justin is one one a Darnell Mooney is going to eat underneath. Mm-hmm. If they scheme Chase Claypool down the field, make that an actual threat by hitting on those every once in a while. Darnell Mooney from ten to twenty five yards is going to freaking eat. I, I, I love the fit. I think that 
it is an overpay. I think that if a year and a half from now, when we're trying to do a deal with him and he's hopefully asking for too much money because he had a great year and a half, I think if he plays to his ceiling, we'll look back on this as if it was a bargain. I think Chase Claypool's ceiling justifies where this pick is. I mean, we saw his ceiling when he played with not his rookie year. Ben Roethlisberger was clearly not in his prime, but he wasn't, you know, dead arm Ben like he was last year. Like he kind of got the last good year of Ben when he could still throw a deep ball. We saw what Chase Claypool's ceiling was. It was Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky. So and you know, rookie Kenny Pickett. Like I and the Steelers were weirdly like trying to use him in a slot this year. It 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 didn't really make the use of him did not make a ton of sense. I think like. He comes here to do what he does best and be the guy on the outside who's the deep threat. And now Mooney kind of gets to take the place of Equinemius St. Brown, who did an admirable job kind of being the underneath guy, and he was okay. But you get Darnell Mooney in that spot where he's much more of a natural, you know, like you said, underneath route runner, slot route runner. He kind of goes from playing out of position, out of necessity to back in position. And now instead of one very solid wide receiver playing out of position, you have two very solid wide receivers playing in their own position. I think it is a perfect fit for what the offense is trying to do. And did they overpay? Yeah. They probably offered the Ravens pick. And then the Steelers told them the Packers are offering their second round. We're going to go with that. And the bears had to counter if they wanted them. They, I mean, there was, there was a little bit of a bidding war. The fact that it was the Packers too. I'm sure Ryan Poles didn't want to lose that bidding war and his kind of first major bidding war trade deadline. You overspend a little bit? Yeah, he overspent by 13 picks probably. And if that's the case, so be it. If he had to move up or move back 13 spots to get Chase Claypool, I think we'd take that any day of the week. Because let's say you're picking at 8, 40, and then the Ravens pick. Let's say they get on a heater because they, they kind of look like they might be heading that direction right now mm-hmm. too. You end up with the 8th, the 40th, and the 56th. Like, yeah. What are, what are the odds you hit on 840 and 56 and turn one of those three picks, and it's not going to be eight, into Chase Claypool? Now, you could say, mm-hmm. oh, you could turn that into a Chris Olave or a wide receiver there, but I think that there's a ton of value in getting a guy who understands it, who doesn't have to be taught. I mean, he might have to be taught how to be a professional a little bit still to certain extents and making sure that he stays focused because mm-hmm. that was always a knock in Pittsburgh as well. So let's hope that that's not an issue here, but like, I, I've said it before on the podcast, known asset over picks at all times. And we yeah. know what Chase Claypool is. I think what's exciting is like, we also kind of know what he can be. We also know that there's a gear there that can be accessed. Yeah. And what this, t- I mean, you mentioned the first round pick there, whether that's, you know, eight, nine, ten, seven, wherever, you know, it's, it's going to be an, a middle or uh, upper third. 30 second overall, bear round. down. Bear down. We're coming back. Um, this also kind of unties the hands of, of what you have to do with that first round pick. Because if you don't have this receiver in Chase yeah. Claypool, and I'm not saying you're done adding it receiver because you're not. You like Mooney and Claypool is a very nice start. And you have some guys in whether it's Harry, St. Brown or Pettis who probably are a four or a five and can stay around because the, what they their their run blocking is so good. But like you you still need another one. But what this does is like if you go into next year's draft with just Mooney you either have to trade your first pick like the Eagles did to go get a, you know, AJ Brown type guy, if you want to bring in a receiver, or you're pretty much forced to go get Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison. And then as much as we like them, as much as they project, did I say players, Olave? you said Olave. I met Smith and Jigba. Okay. I, I still, I know what yeah. you meant. Um, like it, 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 you're almost forced to go with one of those guys. Whereas this point, 
hey, if that guy is the best player on your board, if, if you're picking eighth and Smith and Jigba's there and he's the best on your mm-hmm. board, great, take it. If it's that Brian uh, Breesey, the defensive lineman from Clemson now, though, and he's there at eight and he's the best on your board, you don't have to feel bad passing on a wide receiver. You can go get that defensive lineman you need. You can go get that uh, if there's a stud left tackle that drops you, whatever. It opens up what you can do with that first pick and doesn't really lock you into – having to either draft or even overdraft a wide receiver if you're feeling desperate. Matt, can I interest you in some quick hog talk? Minute of hog talk here? I love it. The kid from Northwestern, is he still – we're still licking our chops, the offensive lineman? Uh, he, I haven't watched is he one on, Is he one on the big boards? Like, I don't it's, know, who am I supposed to – Him supposed to and the uh, – what's it? Paris Campbell position. from Ohio State is the other big okay. tackle. It's, it's, it's getting a lot of interest. Um, I have not uh, – I haven't done my deep dive in the NFL draft of offensive tackles so far this year, so excuse me. Um, but, yeah, I, I always blank on the kid from Northwestern's name, but he's been up uh, up uh, at the top of just about every draft board in terms of left tackle. And Paris Campbell from Ohio State is the other name that I kind of keep seeing. Okay. Uh, Give me Big Ten left Skaron- tackle, I'll take Skaronsky it. kid, right? Okay, you yeah, I think Skaronsky? that sounds right. Yep, that sounds yeah. right. Go Cats. Um, but, yes, I think that's a good point. It does free you up. You get a little bit more latitude on what you could do with that pick. And, like, Ryan Poles, what he's also told us is, hey, I'm not afraid of the phone. I'll deal. He's been very active here in trying to reset it in his image respect the hell out of that. I wouldn't be surprised if we're watching him on a draft day or in the days leading up, packaging picks, moving up, moving back, getting that phone hot again. You know, he's, he showed us that that's, that he's not afraid to do that. And if you need to move further up into the second or, and you want to package some of those Mm -hmm. late ones, or if you want to get another pick in the third, like I think that's something that in years past, we didn't see a whole lot of, unless it was like package these picks, move up, go get Mitch. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, was, if you had essentially that was fun, Mitchell. <laughs> um, no, but like that's right, and we've like there are concrete examples. The two teams that we keep talking about of you know blueprints for the Bears. One of them we'll see this Sunday. One of them we'll see a few Sundays from now. We're probably not going to win either. The Dolphins and the Eagles, like they've both used their you know adv- their high draft picks to move back, get even more picks get even mm-hmm. more assets. Like, look, look what the Dolphins you, have been able to do. Did you see by, the Dolphins? Yeah. Yeah. The Dolphins, they traded 49ers, the 49ers trade. Netted they traded the trade last week. Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and Bradley Chubb. Like, it's unbelievable. That is like, – I, I, That's how you I'm, thrust yourself into the yeah. elite tier of team. That's, and on, that's Sunday, on Sunday when the Bears play the Miami Dolphins, am I going to be hoping they win? Absolutely I am. But – if they go out and lose 37-31 and Justin Fields plays really well and in the end of the day, you know, the defense just isn't good enough and then two of those receivers feast, I'm not going to be upset. Like, I, I really found myself yeah. after this Cowboys game, like, I was like, I was, I felt like a win. And I know like next, then next year at this time, there I'm, are no moral victories. And those, those like that, I, that will not happen. It's anymore. not a moral this year, victory. It's progress. Yeah. It's this progress. year isn't like, like this year coming into the season. We talk, we've said it, uh, said it to a blue in the face on this podcast. This year is going to be bad. They're not designed to win. We need to see progress. And then every Sunday they go out and lose and you hear, you know, the sky is falling on certain radio stations and it's very strange, but like, we saw our quarterback, Justin Fields, go out for the third time in four weeks, be the best player on the field when he's on the field. All we wanted to see is him stacking performances. He had, the, he had was great in Minnesota, had the bad one against Washington, and then credit to him. He said, I'm sick of hearing how close we are. We need to, like, 
I, I want to be there. I'm sick of being close. I want to get this done. I want to take the next step. And since he said that, he's played his two best games as a pro. So, like, we're seeing the progress we want to see. And if that ends in 5 and 12, but Justin is keeps stacking these performances – that's awesome. That is exactly what you want because it gives you a position to draft whoever you want at number five. It gives you a position to trade back to number 10 in a quarterback top heavy draft that could get you an extra first round pick and maybe a three as well. It gives you so many more options. And All right. with it, just having the quarterback in place makes things so much easier. No, I completely agree with you. And I didn't mean to cut you off there. I thought you were done. Um, no, you didn't. I want to put, I want to put a cap on this because it was such an active week. I know we don't, throw grades out there, but I want to grade each one of these moves and just like sure. a, a, a parting thought on, I don't know what this last 10 days, not only the fact that I sparked this whole thing with my essential, essentially rally cry to podcast. Round of applause. Round of applause. It won't be, it won't be forgotten. It will, I will not allow it to be forgotten. Yep. Um, it feels like shortly thereafter, and I'm not taking credit for it, but shortly thereafter, these last 10 <laughs> days, it feels like the rebuild started. It feels like, it feels like progress on the field and it feels like, a, like progress from the front office. And sometimes to make that progress, you have to say goodbye to people. You have to take steps back. You have to make hard decisions and have hard conversations. But this, this sequence of moves over the last week and a half here signifies that we're rebuilding this thing and it starts now, not in April when we got a bunch of picks and a bunch of cap space. It starts right now. It it signifies the start of the rebuild from sorry, I got a call there. So I think it was uh, from cousin of the podcast, Brian. So you cut out for my last it's few destiny. seconds there. He's got to know that I'm on the podcast. He doesn't know that. Um, it, what it says to me is not only does it signify the rebuild now, like you're, you're getting a head start on it, Nine but it also signifies, and, and you, you talked about the trade for Claypool is like, this also provide well defensively. You're a little bit upset that you. I'm sure there's a little bit of a bummer that you didn't get any help back, and not that you were expecting that. But like, it's tough to see those guys come out. But also, I don't care who you like, what side of the ball you play on. You see your general manager go out and get a wide receiver of that caliber. You see the light at the end of the tunnel because that move is like you said. That's a guy for this year and next year. You don't trade for a guy whose contract is up at the end of next year if you're not thinking next year on opening day, we're a team that should be competing for a playoff spot. And with where this division is, with how quickly things can change in the offseason, with the cap space the Bears are going to have, there is zero reason why if this, if everything, if Justin stays healthy, your, your young guys, include Justin included, keep progressing. Jalen Johnson, Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, keep getting better defensively. You add a couple pieces for the front seven and pre-agency in the draft. There is zero reason why the Chicago Bears shouldn't be competitive for an NFC North title the next year. I'm not saying win it, but be in competition for it with where the rest of the division is. There's, there's no reason yeah. for it. The, yeah, the, it the Claypool trade signifies there's light at the end of the tunnel. This is not a dark abyss. It's not, and it's not a baseball rebuild. We don't need four years here. We don't need five no. years. You got some, you got some pieces. You've identified them, and you're starting to make moves. Uh, I like it a lot. Let's grade. Let's grade the moves. Okay. Compensation included the Roquan deal. Um, I'll give it. Uh, That's an A minus. I'll give it an A minus because I think yeah. ideally you'd like a f middle or front end of the second round pick or of the second round. 
But for nine games, and uh, it's not like you had your choice of second round picks. The, the market probably wasn't quite there. So I'll give it an A minus. That also, the, that also uh, tangentially here, Lamar's getting tagged because if they're going to pay Roquan, that was a very expensive rental. If they're not going to pay Roquan, and if they're going to give him twenty a year and Lamar fifty a year, are they going to play two on twenty two? What are we doing? It w- it's it's interesting if those guys are going to talk a little bit um, because they both represent themselves too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like they're going to pretty much ensure Oz, one of them. No, Ozzie Newsom, Ozzie knew was it the Costa now? Ozzie Newsom retired last year. I don't know, but he's got. I think hands, it's the Costa. That sounds ball. right. But yeah, those guys are are going to probably be in a little bit of cahoots to make sure at least one of them gets what gets tagged. Yeah, Eric so Cohen. one of them has to sign that big deal. It's. I mean, you don't. I don't think you trade giving that up for Roquan unless you're committed to paying him. And the Ravens usually are committed to paying defensive guys. But that's. It, I think it's for, a good deal for both sides. Or A minus on Roquan, uh, the Claypool deal. Uh, also A minus. It would have gotten A plus if it was the Ravens pick instead of ours. I, I give it a B because I'm optimistic. I, I like. I, it feels like a B minus. It just the, that you couldn't get it done with the other pick, and the hypothetical that you put forth is understandable. And there's a lot of value in him not being Green Bay Packer as well. I agree with mm-hmm. that. But this is all. There's like a lot of contingencies on. And it's always contingent on performance, but it feels like there might be a wider variance in outcome with Chase Claypool than what you would like with a that's high a, second, that's a, fair. A, 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 an early second round pick. So yeah, I'm going to live in the I'm going to live in the BB minus range, and I will uh, I'll take another look at that grade when we get to midterms. You know, we'll, we'll take another uh, look at the grade. We'll, we'll regrade that at the end of the year. Yes, when we're always, doing always, our always do for, uh, grades. Always do for a regrade. Uh, Matt, I know it was a very active Bears week, but let's give a recap here of the week that was in week eight. Correct? Doesn't week eight, thanks to I this just... trade deadline, feel like forever years ago? It, like, it, it, I kind of forgot it happened already, but it did happen. It does. It so let, so let's not get deep. Let's just let, let's run through. We might gloss over and skip a couple here, but a, a year and a half ago, Baltimore and Tampa Bay, Baltimore 27, Tampa Bay 22. Just looks like Tom's having no fun, looked like a frustrating performance. Bigger takeaway for me there was second half, 204 rushing yards by Baltimore, I believe. I think their season flipped on its head those last 30 minutes. I, I'm I'm excited to see what they do because their offense, I think they've been trying to be something that they're not And here. They said, okay, let's go, let's go run it down their throats right now. Cause that's what we do. Yeah. It's almost like they did kind of what the bears did after the, uh, the commanders game. It's like, you know what? We're trying to do something. We're not, let's do what we do best. And then if we can come off that later and build off that later, great. But like, this is how we, this is what we can do to win games and credit to them. They had been blowing second half leads the last few weeks. They had a really nice second half comeback and dominated the Patriots. Or Jesus, the Bucks. Matt, in three words, the Bucks. Oh. The Bucks' future is what? Oh, very unclear. Very I, unclear. Okay. I cannot. I like that. I cannot write. We've said it a million times on this pod. I cannot write off Tom Brady until it's done, buried. He's officially out, but it's. He looks like he's not having fun. The offensive line isn't getting any better. Despite I know they're banged up, but Atlanta's like, in that first place is, at four and four. It's an easy chase down, but yeah, I that's why that, I say they're not. It's unclear because if if there was a five and two team ahead of them, I'd say they're dead. But there's not. I know, and you can't speculate a man's personal life, but sometimes closure provides clarity. And it seems like he'd been going through something personally. Yeah. 
maybe that's not the case moving forward. I think they have just a lot to figure out on that offense, regardless of what, what's going on with Tom personally. Denver and Jacksonville early in the morning in London. Denver finally looked like a football team, scored three touchdowns. Uh, Jacksonville, I believe, five straight losses after what was a strong start there. Anything to say about this one, Matt? Uh, Travis Etienne is really good. That James really Brown. Really good. Uh, James Robinson. I said James Brown. Jesus. Wow. Uh, the, 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 James, oh, the James Robinson trade really freed him up. He's He is the best first-round pick from Clemson on the Jacksonville Jaguars team. Who would have thought that? <laughs> I, think that I think that that's a fair statement right now. Carolina and Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta takes a stranglehold on uh, the – AFC, or excuse me, the NFC South, uh, 37-34 in overtime. Eddie Figuero with a chance at a game-winning extra point. Missed it because DJ Moore threw his helmet on the ground. Uh, and then a chance at a game-winning field goal from even closer. Missed that one. Wide left. You feel for steady Eddie. who couldn't get the job done. In the in the end, it's uh, Young Wei Koo with a game-winner. And in what was just a perfect representation of that division right now. Nobody yeah. wants it. Eddie Pinero, Pinero has not been the same kicker since Matt Nagy wouldn't put him on his right hash against the Chargers at home. He's been awful since. Man, oh, what He's a broken. That guy, he went from the game-winning kick in Denver where he was the next big thing to he's awful. Life comes at you fast when you're in the kicking game. Miami oh, and yeah. Detroit. Miami 31, Detroit 27. Um, really impressed by Detroit's effort against a great team in Miami here, but I forget what the – I saw the stat. I don't have it in front of me right now. But, like, two is the first quarterback in Miami Dolphins history to throw for three-plus touchdowns, 350 yards, and no interceptions in a game or something like that. I think mm-hmm. there might have been one other qualifier, but just, like, crazy, efficient, high-number game. Not even Dan had done it. So when you start kind of positioning a kid in that realm, it's like, okay, we can uh, we can feel good about this. We, we don't have to feel scared feeling good about this. And, yes, you still – you know, from what he showed last year and what um, what he's deficient in. I don't know. I think he's looked a lot of that in the eye this year and said, I can throw it down, down the ball down the field, even if that's a jump ball, because I believe in Tyreek and I believe in Waddle. I can uh, read the defense. I can get through my reads. My size isn't an issue. Obviously, he had the, the head issue, but that's mm-hmm. unavoidable in some yeah. ways. I, I think that two has checked every box and it has them after these moves like we talked about right on that cusp of putting them with a I don't know we might have to re-tier because Buffalo still looks like a wagon Kansas City might even look like a step below Buffalo Mm -hmm. right now and even a step below the Eagles like I think the conversation right now is Eagles or Buffalo and then you might say Kansas City Miami on a second like a 1A tier I don't know I think Miami took a big step forward uh, with with what they've done undefeated when Tua starts and finishes the game, so yeah, I mean he looked fantastic again. I, I love that they went out and got a pass rusher because we always talk about everybody talks about the important receiver, the most important positions in football: the guy throwing the ball, the guy who's throwing it to, the guy protecting the guy throwing the ball, and the guy who can get the guy throwing the ball. They went mm-hmm. out and got one of those and. I'll touch from a Lions standpoint, like almost feel bad for Lions fans. They moved TJ Hawkinson, which signals the never ending rebuild is restarting again. And like you said, impressed with how they kind of went toe to toe. They got up to a 14 nothing lead and kind of didn't do anything after and, you know, got shut out in the second half. So I, it sucks for them. I, it's hilarious as a Bears fan who doesn't really like the Lions, but like it, you have to hit the reset button again. Dan, Dan Campbell's not the guy. Arizona, Minnesota, Minnesota 34, Arizona 26. Another slow start out of Arizona. Minnesota 
looks solid, but I, I don't know if it's just because I have like too many biases with Minnesota. Not that I don't like them, but that I don't believe in them, specifically Kirk Cousins. And they always find a way to get in their way um, mm-hmm. in football games, especially late in the season. But they got one loss on their schedule right now, and they played really good football. Um, they come away with another win, and Arizona continues to underperform uh, despite what's supposed to be their $300 million quarterback. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, two games. He's gone for 10-plus receptions and 100-plus yards, so he seems to be fine. But, um, yeah, that's all I got on that one. Yeah, it was just a weird game where, like, the teams felt a lot more even than their records are. And uh, good for Minnesota. They keep on winning. But, I mean, they keep winning, and we keep – like, I keep thinking, too, like, at some point they're going to have to fall. But, like, outside of the Eagles and, you know, the Cowboys to an extent, like – it kind of doesn't seem like I mean the 49ers we really like but they still haven't put it all together yet they look really good this this weekend like there's not a ton of competition in the NFC and if they get a favorable let draw me, let me know else? does this resonate with you is Minnesota the Tennessee of the NFC that's like a good always way of a, it. always a good record might be in the playoffs, but if they're in their play in the playoffs, it's the team you want to see. Like yeah. Tennessee, I know was a one seed last year. They're not going to be the one seed with the way Philadelphia is playing this year. But high seed, mm-hmm. favorable matchup doesn't show up. That I is mean, a like, that is a fantastic comparison. Minnesota I comparison. The, I think we'll print the shirt. The Minnesota, Minnesota Titans. The Minnesota Titans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, the, the Tennessee Vikings? No, Minnesota yeah. Titans for sure. Well, I Minnesota like Minnesota Titans. Titans. Minnesota Titans. Because Minnesota, you know, they're bigger people too, you know. Titans are big. <laughs> larger than life. All right, rolling right along here. Vegas and New Orleans. I don't know what to what – I have no idea on? what to say here. Because Las, that, that, Las Vegas put together two great offensive performances behind a really, really solid run game. I believe Josh Jacobs, the last three weeks actually, had run for 144, 143, and 154 yards. He three. I talked about it on the podcast last week. Set his career high, broke it, and then just came short of it in the third straight week. Nothing of that sort in this game. They tried to get the run game going, couldn't figure it out. Devontae Adams, I believe, had – was it – uh, one catch for three yards, two catches for three yards. One catch ridiculous. for three yards. Five. It was targets. his lowest. It was his lowest catch and um, uh, his lowest catch and yardage totals in the last like decade and a half, or, or in the last what was it twenty sixteen? I think was the last time he had that number. So just bizarre and against New Orleans. It might have been a didn't get off the bus situation, like didn't get on the plane situation. I have no idea. I'll tip my pick here in our lock of the week. I think Las Vegas, I still believe in them in like what they can accomplish on a Sunday. I think we're getting a, I think we're getting a deal of a number on them this week, but uh, do you have any thoughts here on Vegas and New Orleans? Uh, I, I went into this game and all I could think about was, I think last year it was, they were like only slight favorites against the Falcons going into Atlanta and they went in and played an absolute egg and lost like 34 to 10 or something like that. So you're saying it could be regional. I feel, no, I feel like this Raiders group really struggles with that west to east early start. I don't know why, yeah. but it seems like there's one or two games like that a year where they go west to east and they start at 9 a.m. local time and just get the doors blown off of them. I, and fortunately for them, they did that as a 2-4 and four team, not as a 4-2 and two team. So that one's going to really, really hurt them as they're pushing for a playoff bid in one of the in, in a very tough division. But yeah, that's, that's not good. And I, I guess good for Andy Dalton, but that's fine. 
Uh, I might be taking that bait again because they are at Jacksonville 1 p.m. on CBS. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look at some information here before I do give my official lock of the week to see if they stayed on the East Coast or not. Because you present you present nothing but sentient facts, uh, yeah. counselor. Uh, let's take a look at our next game. As I'm no longer on the right tab, but I believe it Patriots, was Patriots. Yes, the Jets and the Patriots. 22 17. Zach Wilson looks lost at sea sometimes. Uh, he makes bad decisions. Uh, it was nice to see New England commit to Mac Jones as their quarterback for sixty minutes. I don't know. I, I don't have a. I don't have a ton of. Um, New York's defense is still really good, but I, I don't have a ton of feelings when it comes to these two. That feels like a deflating one for the Jets because you're flying high. You're five and two. You're coming off. Some yeah, but wins, like feeling really good again, about yourself. Hollow five and, then, and two. Yeah, but like as a young group like that, you're not thinking hollow yeah. five and two. If you're no, you know, no, a young no. team in that locker room, you're five room. and two. You beat Aaron Rodgers, and then you come home, and you know, Daddy Bill Belichick comes and puts you back on his lap, and then sits you down and says, "No, not yet." So that, that's a tough one. Um, but man, we I could have brought it up during the Jaguars one too. It's really looking like we got the the best quarterback in that draft class. Honestly, it's that, and I'm not sure it's all that close. The right last now. month has trended. I think so. Um, we have Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Not a whole lot to say here. Philly's a good football team. Pittsburgh's a bad football team. Thanks for the receiver. Tennessee Analysis. and Houston. Uh, Tennessee and Houston, 17-10. Literally nothing to say about this one. Derrick Henry's Derek a very Henry, good football player. And he owns the Houston Texans. I believe it's four straight games of 200-plus yards and two touchdowns against the Houston Texans. Obscene. First player to do that since – what was it on the shot sheet? First player to do that since – was it? Come on, you can remember. I can't remember. Uh, we got Washington and Indy, a game that happened. Uh, I believe the story there was Scary Terry on Halloween weekend, going back to his hometown, coming up with an amazing catch to get the ball down great. in range to win that football game. So cool storyline. I, I love Go. watching Taylor Heineke because I feel like it's like <laughs> there, even though like the score is only seventeen points. It's such a roller coaster. It's always either really big ups or really, really steep lows. And like, there's never just like a boring low. Oh, you know loss. what that it's was? It's just wild. Like, it's crazy. I, I, think I that, love watching. I think that, I think that it's going to take a couple. It's going to take a couple more weeks to establish this theory. But we just saw a Spider-Man meme game. That was a Spider-Man meme game because Sam Ellinger and Taylor Heineke. That might be exactly. That might be yep. exactly what that Sam is Ellinger perfect. is. Oh God, we'll see if that's how it pans out. We know how things pan out between the 49ers and the Rams every time. It's the regular season. Uh, the 49ers win again, 31-14. A game that looked like a game like. What was that into like the early third quarter and then just pedal to the floor. One team asserted their will and the other one disappeared. Um, LA just doesn't have that dog in them as the kids would say um, these days also doesn't help to have your feature back. Just not wanting to play football for you. Uh, just, it feels like that's the team everyone's going to continue to hold out hope for. And yes, you do have to field enough teams to put into the playoffs in the NFC. So might they sneak in? I don't know. But um, San Francisco is that weird case of a team that looks like they could win a Super Bowl or lose to anyone in the league. I, I think that I think that when you look at them on paper, the weapons they have, the defense they have when healthy, I don't know if outside of Philadelphia there's a better roster on the NFC side. No, I didn't stop me if you've heard this before, but if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, 
who boy. Oh yeah. That, that is happened going to too. be, yeah, that that's a thing now. Uh, he's tri- really good. Um, first he makes since Oh five. Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson 05 was the last player to throw, catch, and run uh, a touchdown in. Uh, yeah. And McCaffrey and, did that on Sunday. Uh, Walter Payton also back in, I believe it was 80-something. Was it 89? Something in the I don't know. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to regurgitate things my eyes saw six days or four days ago. <laughs> I, I've been there before. I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> uh, but, no, like with, with that addition, I know we talked about a few games ago with the Vikings having the second-best record in the NFC, but – the 49ers, in my eyes, are the second best team in the NFC, and they are the team where, you know, the Vikings might be the Titans, and you, you know, they might be the team you don't mind seeing right. in the playoffs. You, you guys I don't know who the Niners chops. are, but, like, you don't want to see them. You got me licking my chops for a power ranking now, so let's power through these last couple of games. Seattle wins another football game over New York. That was Good for them. sort of. It might have been a, a similar feel to the, to the Jets, deflating, but maybe. Um, Maybe we should have seen it coming. Green Bay and mm-hmm. Buffalo, uh, a backdoor cover by Rodgers pissed me off because I gave out uh, Buffalo laying the 10 and a half. We got hooked. Um, that was on air, not on the podcast. But uh, sorry, but I would have loved to. I would have loved to see a better blowout, but it was a dominant win nonetheless. And deflated, I think, might be a good way to describe Aaron Rodgers right now. Mm-hmm. He sucks. Cincinnati, um, Cleveland, Cleveland, thirty-two. Cincinnati, twelve. Do you want to get in there? I, I thought he no. Sucked. I was just because like, it sounded Cleveland, like all in Cleveland always dominates Bengals, the Bengals. But yeah, I'm just more relishing in the fact that the Packers suck. It's it's uh, Joe Burrow two ten and one when sacked four times or more in his career. Just keep him upright, and he will he'll win you the football game. Just he's block, that good. Guys. Block for him. Jonah Williams. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Uh, he's just he, he's a he's a spinning top right now, and it showed again. It looked like they had it cleaned up for like four weeks, and they when they won a bunch of football games, it's four plus sacks, you lose four or less, you win, and they get yeah. up six. It seems like a simple Cleveland. formula. Simple formula to football. Uh, Kansas City and Los Angeles were on the bye. Two teams that we love to talk about, but we'll have to wait another week. Matt, quick power rankings, NFL right now. Uh, you see it one through five. What? Oh God, this is tough. Well, the you Bills are one. It. I'll give you my. You, you okay, think about it. I'll give you my one through five. It's the Buffalo Bills. Yep. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the. That's where it gets really muddy. It gets really muddy after that. It's the Miami like, Dolphins. Ooh, I think so. But like no, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. It's the 49ers, it's the Dolphins. That's my five. Bills, okay. Eagles, Chiefs, Niners, Dolphins. Uh, if you want a six, I'll give you that's where I'll give you Minnesota. Okay. I I'm going to I got the Bills. I have the Chiefs at two. I might even give um, you I, Ravens at six, uh, Minnesota at seven, but go ahead. I, I know that I know the, the Eagles are undefeated, but like I they're playing really good football. I gotta see them beat somebody and like i know the vikings are six and one but like they're scheduled I, I, I just, dude. yeah like i don't i know I, I the eagles will remind me a lot of what we're seeing from ohio state and michigan right now in college football like you guys are winning a lot of games by a lot of points but like i don't know if you're good yet i haven't seen you really beat anybody i like the eagles go okay so tell me tell me which one of these games if they continue to win and not lose. Tell me which one of these games you will believe that they're the best team or second best team in the NFL. Texans coming up. That's not going to do it for you. Commanders coming up after that. That's not going to do it for you. Sam Ellinger's Colts, Wiley, not going to do it for you. Packers, you could argue that they're garbage, not going to do it for you. Another fun one to watch. Titans, would the Titans do it for you? 
the Titans seem like the team that like remember last year where they went on Sunday night football against the Rams and the Rams were clicking and just beat the hell out of them. And that was like mm-hmm. weird. Like, wow, that happened. The Titans yeah. are a team that I could see like, you know, beating the Eagles in a spot where they're maybe you know overlooking a little bit. It's like, Oh, Derrick Henry ran for 177 yards and scored three touchdowns and they beat the Eagles 28 to 14, something like that. So they would have to be 11 and 0, excuse me, 12 and 0 to, to suffice. Um, Mercury Morris least, getting a little nervous. <laughs> at least put a little scare in the He's still Mercury alive? in the gang. Uh, we're going to have to fact check that probably, one. Put, probably. Put, put stats on that. Um, Rob, okay, Rob, wait, 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 Rob wait, if you're listening, look that up. Uh, we went, so you went Bills, Chiefs, Eagles. Bills, Chiefs, Eagles. That's I where it gets murky, I need your murky waters. I need your you murky know, I'm, I'm going to go Cowboys after that. Okay. Um, I love yeah, the way their defense kind of is playing. The Cowboys, and they, huh? can, they can run the football. Um, Dak looked at, against, granted, a team that couldn't rush the passer. Dak looked a lot more comfortable, and I think he's only going to get more comfortable. So I'm going to go with Cowboys at four. And then, like, yeah, like, probably Dalgo Dolphins five, Niners six. Vikings seven, but like I hate I hate the Vikings at seven. I hate it. I might have Vikings like the ninth best team at what are they six? I might have the Seahawks <laughs> ahead of the Vikings at this point. I'm not. I'm not really kidding. You're sick, uh, Matt. We do have to throw out some locks here. I'm going to let you go first because I am scrambling between picks right now. So maybe maybe this is just the ultimate fade Joe spot. But give us your pick here. As you, uh, we both came up with wins. The Moose, the Moose Ruins. Uh, parlay hit for I think the second or third time this season. Yep. Both of us come up with W's. I'm four and four. Matt's five and three. Don't stop now, boys. What do you got this uh, week, Matt? We've been going unders lately, and I still think usually that's the sharp play. But we were talking a little bit before the show, and I don't like betting Bears games, but uh, not sure Vegas is caught up to what is going to be, I think, the new norm for a little while, Bears overs. Uh, over 40, the total is 45 and a half this weekend with the Dolphins. Bears are putting up points, like the offense is getting better. They went out and got another weapon. They can run the football. I think they're going to be able to score, you know, 21-ish points, and they are not going to beat the Miami Dolphins this weekend. We saw what happened when Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson got to feast on that Bears defense, didn't have a pass rush. You just wait until Tua has all day to throw to Jalen Waddell, Mike Gesicki, and Tyreek Hill. I uh, yeah. don't think it's going to go well for the Bears. I think, I think the Dolphins put up like thirty something points. I think the Bears like I think Bears will score two with some in the twenties, but I think this one goes over that forty five and a half. Yeah, I love that play. Usually we stay away from Bears numbers, but I think this is the perfect uh, narrative structure for a. They don't believe in the offense. Uh, just added another tool. It's going to be a score fest. We're not going to mm-hmm. slow them down. Maybe they can't slow us. I think that. We might take some shots because we're supposed to see Claypool, right? He was he's at practice today. Yes, yeah, I believe today. so. You know, if probably he's not, see him, probably you'll see him, see him 15, in some 20 plays, yeah. but it'll be go, go run, run far, go, go run, run fast. fast. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to that, but I love that play over the 45 and a half. Uh, I am pivoting off of what I gave you earlier. You're going to have to wait till Monday night for my winner. That's going to be the Baltimore Ravens laying a short three against the New Orleans Saints. I love Love for some reason for that number to dance down to the two and a half, but mm-hmm. can always yeah. buy the point. It's even money there at the three, which tells us we might see two and a half at some point, but mm-hmm. it's the Ravens laying the three. I think that 30 minutes of football we talked about, uh, that that type of football travels well. Take it down to New Orleans, run it down their throats, win a game by 10. I like the Ravens laying three on Monday Night Football. I like it. Can't wait to throw in the Moose and Runes parlay this weekend. And, and I'll, I'll, have to, uh, I'll have to give you the assist on that one. 
um, for getting me off of my original Raiders laying the one and a half in yeah. Jacksonville. I love them. I'm, I think that's a value number. I do too. But the tra- the travel, you can't you can't deny travel. You can't deny uh, time and air. I didn't get an answer of whether or not they were staying out of the East Coast. But regardless, uh, very we can, very we big of me to give you that. Very good, big good of stuff. Me. That's good stuff. That's nothing yeah. but gamesmanship and sports or sportsmanship. Yeah, sportsmanship, not gamesmanship. Excuse me. Uh, Matt, if I would there are things you. going on uh, across the sporting landscape outside of uh, the football and Bears ecosystem. Let's give a couple quick thoughts here on the World Series Game 3 a night ago. Dingers. I mean, Lance McCullers tipping pitches, turning into BP for Philly in front of the home crowd. Bryce goes yob. Schwarbo goes yob. Hoskins I love being yob. able to root for Schwarber. Now, not that I like – I always liked like, – I liked him you, in I was the say, with the Cubs. But I like when he hit home runs in the playoffs for the Cubs, I wasn't happy. Like, I don't like I the was Cubs. Still, I see, yeah, that's – I know. We're just different. We're just different I, there. Like, that was – But, like, that was – That was undeniable sporting, uh, like – It was cool, that was, but the, I didn't that's like the it. That's the best of it. Postseason home runs by a guy who just looks like a fire hydrant. That's the best. You know what? And I'm really happy he's doing it in Philly. He's beloved everywhere he goes. He is the, the, he's been in the perfect places for Kyle Schwarber, Chicago, Boston, Philly, like unbelievable. Um, Awesome to see him doing it again, but Philly's a perfect spot for him too. Like that, that home run last night, like the, the kind of like, not even like, wouldn't even call it a bat flip. It was more of like a bat drop, which is kind of like the nonchalant turn of the dugout, like the cockiness. Like, man, I love, he nuked that ball too. Um, Bryce Harper is doing exactly what he's been paid to do, which is not something we uh, we see. Is when like the, the, that big contract is often uh, just kind of left unresponded yep. to. He's by hit the like four hundred in the playoffs with like six home runs. Unbelievable. And, um, yeah, he's but been. We got Larry. So yeah, I just think uh, <laughs> <laughs> got it makes me so sad. I just think that uh, this Philly is. Um, they have everything. They have every intangible in this matchup. They have mm-hmm. the vibe right now. They have two more games at home and a game in their pocket. They have a fresh bullpen after last night. They, it just, I don't know. It seems inevitable. It's getting to the end. And I understand Houston's a great team and they're not going to flinch. If they win a ball game tonight, we're two, two and guaranteed to go back to Houston. My total change completely. Um, it's, it's just feeling like Philly right now. They feel like that team of destiny. Uh, yeah. but man, like you said it tonight, tonight's really important for him. Um, I'm not, I, I think Verlander would be scheduled to, excuse me, uh, go in game five. And I know his world series history isn't good, but he's still Justin Verlander. And if you give you, I can't give Houston life. You got to come out and I, I obviously it's like, they're going to try and come out and win tonight, but you got to come out and you got to keep the foot on the gas. You cannot let Houston have life. They're too good of a team to let up off the mat. I completely agree with you. Tonight is Nola and Javier. Didn't Nola get dinged his last night? Nola got di- yeah, he got dinged in game one, but Philly, it was kind of no harm, no foul. Philly ended up coming back and winning that game. Yes, so yes, yes. That's maybe you get a refreshed Nola looking for redemption at home in front of the crowd. Who knows? But like, this is a big start for Aaron Nola, too, because he's been kind of the Philly's ace for a long time now, and – this is a chance to kind of redeem yourself after that game one loss and really stamp yourself as like a Phillies legend ace. If you go out and shove tonight and give your team a three, one lead in the world series. Uh, Teams to get, take game three. Uh, Excuse me. 
teams winning game three, yeah, to take a 2-1 lead, have won the World Series 19 of the last 24 times that's occurred since 1969. So last night was huge. Tonight is massive, massive, massive. You can take that three games to one stranglehold and even just sleep on the idea of doing it at home. That's, I think there's there's so much value in that. We'll see how it plays out tonight. Um, it's going to be another crazy Philly crowd. Yes. I mean, is there is there is there is that that that's the center of the sporting universe? Right yes. now, oh, yeah. Philadelphia, right? Like you, if if they have a team that's undefeated, they have. I guess the Sixers aren't playing great right now, but they have a team that's undefeated. Yeah, but they're still in the World tender. Series. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's good times in Philly sports. Get, you, right now, get yourself a chance to win the world series tomorrow night on the same night. The Eagles are probably going to beat the Texans by like 30 points on national. And TV. you're in your but your, your quarterbacks, uh, from Houston and an Astros fan. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of different, a lot of wrinkles in this story. A lot of wrinkles. <laughs> um, we have, we have a new manager. I'm just going to yeah, let you do this. Sure. Um, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I, we, I talked about when they started. Here you go. Hold on. No, no, no. I do have something. I do have something. Sure. And then I'll let you just run wild. Uh, rave reviews from friend of the podcast, Nikki Lopez. Love that. City Royal infielder. There were some talks that he might've gotten the internal uh, promotion to Matheny's job. Didn't happen. Uh, Nikki speaks very highly of him. Well, that's, that is very good to know. And I was actually going to ask you about that or text yeah. our, you know, I'm a friend, Anthony, and, and see what his brother thought of him. But that, that is good to know. Um, you know, for me, at least it signals that there was a difference in the process that we, we talked about when they fired Larusa. The biggest thing we want to see wasn't necessarily a specific name. It was Jerry Reinsdorf not making the hire and letting Rick Hahn make the hire. Not that I think Rick Hahn is a perfect general manager, far from it, but like, I want to see that the White Sox have acknowledged that there are need, there is need for some change, that the process in which they do things needs to be a little bit different. And this signals that they went with, you know, they, they didn't go back and hire Ozzy. And I, I don't think Ozzy would have been the worst manager in the world, but I wouldn't have loved the process to how they got there. They, you know, went through the process, came up with their guy. And outside of what I've heard Nicky Lopez saying about him, what I've read in maybe an <laughs> article or two about him, I don't know a damn thing about him and nobody who pretends to do tweets about it, pretends to know about him does either. We'll find out on opening day. And then, you know, the months to follow that. Uh, I just, I hope it's, uh, I hope it's what this roster needs because despite the disappointment of this last season, it's still a roster you can be extremely excited about. So um, I hope that the the more important moves are coming in February and in December and yeah, That, that that's what's really going to be important. The manager's nice, and his name is not Tony Larusa, so I'm happy. <laughs> can't confirm. Sources yeah, can't confirm that. Uh, Matt, do you have anything else on the baseball front? Have we missed anything? We've handed out our locks here. Um, it's been an eventful week in the sporting world. I mean, we didn't touch upon any of the other deals. We did mention just kind of offhanded the Chubb deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCaffrey obviously comes down far earlier. Uh, Hawkinson, I guess, yeah, did, did get the mention there. What what else? Uh, what else was up? Hey, man. Um, I mean, Calvin Ridley got traded to the Jaguars. Yeah, that was that's a funny. fun one. Calvin yeah. Ridley gets traded to the team that he bet against that he now can't play for because he bet against them. That was yeah, a, and I think that was, that was I think he was in Jaguars Florida when he placed he bet the bet, that, too. That he bet I think he, yeah. he was in Florida, I think, when he made the bet as well. So <laughs> good for him. He's going down there. I don't know. That's like, I, that's, yeah, it's kind of all sometimes, I can think of. Sometimes you got to, sometimes you got to come full circle. <laughs> got to come full circle for that redemption moment. Sometimes but, uh, you got to go back before you can move forward. 
And that will, we'll, we'll leave you with that sage wisdom from one Matt Rooney. This has been Moose and Dunes Podcast episode. Oh, I just got one more shout out. Pod. Of course you do. Friend, Give no, it no, 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 that's a good one. Friend of the podcast, uh-huh. Mark, uh-huh. Mark Shanowski. He called the bull. He was on the call uh, on Sunday for the Bulls game, filled in for Adam Amin and did a fantastic job along Stacey King. Seems like he's going to be the guy who fills in for Adam when Adam is doing NFL and, and his other duties. So congrats, shout out, friend of the pod, awesome. Mark Janowski, crushing his Bulls play-by-play. I don't know if that was his, I don't think it was his debut, um, but crushing the uh, the season debut on the Bulls broadcast. Was no, that worth nobody it? Nobody better. Is, 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 is shout out to friend of the pod, Mark Janowski, worth 100% worth it. Here's what I need from you. That needs to be sure. at the top of your notes next time, Matt. Fair. Say goodbye Fair. to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Keep it on the state, Mr. Nolan. <laughs>